we get the privilege this morning, as a church family, every once in a while, you know we celebrate births of little ones, and then a little while later, a few weeks, sometimes a few months later, we get to, as a church family, dedicate and celebrate a dedication of the little ones that God brings into the church family. And so uh, we have a special, for me, kind of unique special opportunity to celebrate a child dedication for Ziva Stufflebeam. So why don't you come on up, Ziva, and uh, Jordan and Shiloh and Ziva, if you don't know, if you ever knew and have not met them. And so Psalm 127.3 says, children are a gift from the Lord, they are a reward from him. Right In Deuteronomy 6, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. And so this is what we call a child's dedication. This is not a salvation issue here at uh, the well, what we're doing right now does not save Ziva. What this is really is, it's actually a parent dedication. We call it a child dedication, but really it's a dedication of Jordan and Shiloh coming before God and you, the church family, and saying, hey, you know what? We are dedicating ourselves, and we need your help to train and instruct, pray for us, help us when, as needed, and, and that one day we can all celebrate that Ziva would come to a personal faith in Jesus. Amen. Amen. So that's what this is about. This is a wonderful celebration. And so we have a couple of uh, commitment uh, moments, commitment statements. First to you, Jordan and Shiloh. It says this. Do you commit by God's grace in the power of the Holy Spirit and in partnership with the church to raise Ziva in the training and instruction of the Lord with the desire that she will trust Jesus Christ as her Savior and Lord? If so, say we do. We do. All right. And now... As a church family, because it's the big we, we've heard about this, it's the big we, uh, we're going to ask you, church family, uh, if you would come alongside this family, and I say this, it says this, do you commit by God's help, church family, to be faithful in your calling as members of the body of Christ, to help this family be faithful to God, and to help teach and train Ziva in the ways of the Lord, with the desire that she will trust Jesus Christ as her Savior and Lord. If you, church family, accept this responsibility, please respond by saying, we do. We do. Look at all those babysitters you just got right there. All those date nights right there. We got it all on film, so anyone who said we do, you're on the babysitting list right now. Coming out tight, we're going to pray. We have a certificate of dedication, and this is, a, this is one of the few uh, certificates where I actually sign it, Pastor Papa, because that's what she knows me. I told Shiloh, I said, if I put Richie, she'd be like, Mom, who is Richie? I don't even get that. Who's this Richie guy? But we're, let's pray uh, for Jordan and Shiloh and right. Ziva. Uh, dear Lord, we just thank you so much for today. We thank you for another day of life. We just thank you for this opportunity to come alongside of Jordan and Shiloh and Ziva, Lord, and my prayer today is that, that Jordan and Shiloh just are the light in their home when they're raising Ziva. So when she gets old enough that she can put that personal relationship in you, Jesus, because that is what it's all about is your love for us. So we just thank you for your love. We thank you for the love of this church. And we thank you for everything that you're doing here. We love you, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. Amen. All right.
Okay, we also uh, mentioned it's Advent. And if you have not been with us before uh, for Advent, uh, it begins in December. And you see we brought out the Advent candle. And each Sunday, uh, it's called an Advent candle lighting, candle reading. And there's a theme for each Sunday as we lead up to Christmas Eve service. And so uh, we ask various uh, you know, members of the church family to come on up and, and really be a part of this celebration. And so we have a wonderful family, Amanda and Hannah and Joanna. Why don't you come on up? Yes, you can come on up. And they are going to do the first Advent candle reading and lighting. Today we begin our celebration of Advent. The word Advent is from a Latin word meaning coming or arrival. The focus of these four weeks is the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. On these four Sundays leading up to Christmas, we will rejoice in the great gift that is ours in him. Each Sunday morning, we will light a candle on the Advent wreath. Then, on Christmas Eve, we will light all the candles, including the center one, the Christ candle. As we do, we will rejoice that Christ has come to us. He is Emmanuel, God with us. On this first Sunday of Advent, we light the candle of love. It reminds us that Jesus was sent to earth because of God's incredible love for us. Today's scripture reading is from the book of 1 John and Gospel of John. 1 John 4, 9 through 10. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Amen. Awesome. Thank you. That is so good.
How many of you enjoy just singing those Christmas songs, right? Man, so cool. All right, we have another tradition here for the first Sunday of each month. It's birthdays. And so uh, if you were born in the month of December, not to embarrass anyone, not to embarrass anyone, but God says you are fearfully and wonderfully made, and you're born in the month that we celebrate the birth of Jesus, which is kind of cool, right? So uh, anyone, any December birthdays? Yes, Barry. Dale. All right, look at, okay, back here as well. Nice, nice, several. All right, put them up high, put them up high. So if, if there's a hand around you, you get to sing right at them. All right? Just, just belt it right in their ear. We're going to sing happy birthday to all the December birthdays. Happy birthday. All right, little ones, you get to go to Kingdom Kids. Let's give them a round of applause. Let's let the little ones know how much we love them around here. All right, great Kingdom Kids program prepared for you once again by the incredible Kingdom Kids team. Well, it is First Sunday, and we do welcome you, and we are blessed as we've winded up uh, 2023. We have a lot, a lot of new families and people coming into the church, and so we want to remind you, uh, we have a website, we're on YouTube, we have a church app. If you uh, have not downloaded the app and you'd like to utilize that, you can see one of the younger generations around here, Jordan especially, who can help you with the app, getting it installed if you want to do that. Uh, There's also several ways to give. Uh, you can do that online. There's boxes out, out front. And, uh, you know, we are really blessed. Uh, you're going to hear a lot, uh, you know, some words, the word of the day, plethora, right? You're gonna, we have a plethora of announcements. And I was telling the team this morning that, you know, sometimes you go, man, there's so many announcements. What's up with that? And you can kind of look at it like, oh. But I look at it as a great thing, that there's life in the church and God is moving. And, you know, your, your generous, cheerful giving really supports everything that happens here. It's not just, you know, turn, keeping the lights on, but when lives are touched, even the women's thing and the men's ministries and Kingdom Kids happening right now, it really is a fruit of your generous, cheerful giving. And just ask you to continue as we wind up the year to continue seeking the Lord and just give cheerfully. But know that what you do here really impacts Not just local, but even around the world, because we support ministries around the world as well. So thank you for your faithful giving this year. And again, just as we kind of wind up, just ask you to continue to seek the Lord uh, for that. Okay? So again, we have a plethora of announcements. So we're going to begin with the celebration of the women's brunch. Good morning. We had a great brunch yesterday. Um, And I wanted to thank all the women who helped um, 
especially the women uh, from the women's ministry team, Sue and Cynthia and Christine. Thank you very much. It would not have happened without all their hard work. Um, we, we do it. We celebrate together um, to celebrate who God is and to honor him and uh, to know him and just to, um, again, celebrate who he is and what he has done. And I think we did that. And we come together to, uh, as a community uh, to get to know one another, um, to have um, a deeper connection with each other. And I think that we did that as well. And we also do to invite other people in. And, and there were quite a few guests yesterday. So um, I think we accomplished it all. So it was a great time. Two people I forgot to thank yesterday. One is Sally. for She attached all the verses to the uh, little ornaments that we got. So thank you, Sally, for doing that. And thank you, Jordan, uh, for um, he was kind of our AV guy back there. He was doing the music and the video, and he coordinated it, and he did a great job. So thank you, Jordan, as well. So great. Thank you. Men, we are going to Bass Pro next Saturday. Huh? Huh? We're going to meet here at the church Saturday morning. We're going to pull out of here. Uh, around 7.30, it'll be at least 7.30. I won't leave before somebody would show up. If you're interested in going, by all means, uh, let me know. We'll get a, a text thread back and forth going on. But godly men are going to go out into the world on Saturday. You young dads that have uh, children, Santa will be there. Store opens at 10, there all day. They feed the fish. If you've never seen them feed the fish at Bass Pro, you got to be kidding me. They dump the worms in. It's just, the testosterone is over the top. You definitely check your man card here because this is a time of fishing, hunting, boat shooting, hiking. You, that's right. There's an excited fan right there. So I encourage you dads to step out and take your little ones with you. Give mom a break. If the family wants to go, they're welcome too. We're going to break out of there probably by 1 o'clock, and wander across the street for chili fries and pastrami burgers and everything else going on. Uh, it costs you nothing but your lunch money. That's all it is. So we're going to meet here. We're going to figure out caravans. If you guys want to figure out uh, carpooling and whatnot uh, amongst yourselves in a small group, let's just meet here at 7.30 on Saturday, and let's go share God's love in the marketplace at Bass Pro next Saturday. Thank you. Good morning, church. That's, that's Randy's line, but I, he didn't do it this morning, so I had to. Continuing Care Center. We are getting together chapstick, hand lotion, shampoo, toothpaste, toothbrushes. They must be single wrapped. Deodorant, hair clips for the ladies. We have 42 ladies and 32 men, so we've got a lot. So I just appreciate anything that you have, and you can bring it and put it in the trunk. And I have these cards out on the cart, so if you need one to remind you, that's, that's great. There you are. <laughs> Thanks, Betty. <clears throat> All right, we have one youth announcement. We, uh, we had a great Thanksgiving fancy dinner, and now we're doing a, a Christmas party. 
Um, so it's going to be December 20th on a Wednesday from 6 to 8. We're going to have a lot of fun. We usually turn the AC on up in here to make it kind of, you know, wintry. Uh, we'll have snacks and stuff. Uh, and I, just a reminder, <clears throat> uh, stuff like our events and just youth stuff in general is for grades 6 through 12th. Um, just a reminder, I know I don't say it very often, but just so you know, uh, if you have a student from 6th to 12th grade, uh, they can come join us for our youth stuff. So uh, I have, I've been sending out emails about this. I have flyers, and if you uh, need any, any more information on it, you can ask me. You can also sign up with me or sign up online on our events page. So thank you. Okay. Um, good morning. I'm going to come up here because I'm kind of short. Um, so this year, as you heard last week, um, we are coordinating Angel Tree Gift Giving. Um, it's part of Prison Fellowship Ministry, and <clears throat> excuse me, um, it's an opportunity to bless children and their incarcerated parents um, by showing them they're not alone and they're not forgotten in the Christmas season. Um, one of the ways that you can help if you don't choose to get a gift or participate in that way is to pray for the families um, who are separated and just need to know the love of Christ um, and need to feel like they're seen and known. Um, we have 14 gift tags. I'll show you. This is what they look like. Um, if you would like to... Buy a gift for any of the children. It's between $25 and $30. We want to keep it at that price range. Um, so when there's families with multiple children, none of the siblings are feeling like, you know, somebody got a Starbucks gift card for $5 and somebody got a cell phone case or something. <laughs> um, and so if you'd like to do that, it's between $25 and $30 a gift. We have 14, so not a ton. Um, you can fight over it at the end. Um, who wants to do it? And um, the gifts will be returned to the commons. We'll have a tree in there, and you can um, return the gifts unwrapped by the tree with the gift tag uh, attached to them. Um, and that would be next Sunday on the 10th. So you can see me after service at the back. Um, there's a little tree out there that my daughter's put together, um, and I'll be standing near that. Um, I would like to also just do a quick prayer um, together. Lord, um, I thank you that this time is a season of hope, especially for those who know you. And... Um, there are so many who feel alone and forgotten in this time, in this season. And so, Lord, I pray that we would be um, your hands and feet during this season, that you would give us eyes to see um, those who feel lost, those who feel unseen, um, whether it's buying a cup of coffee for someone who doesn't have a home um, or just smiling and giving a hug to someone, just acknowledging um, the people around us in the busyness of this season, that you would give us the eyes to see um, the needs around us, to slow down, to be present. And as your word says, um, to give to the least of these, because when we do that, we're also giving to you, just as you have given to us.
And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. Uh, yeah, thank you, Aubrey, for that uh, opportunity, but really the prayer, because, you know, guys, this is really what Christmas is all about. This is what Jesus Christ is all about, is the least of these, those who are unnoticed, those who are, you know, uh, the, the needy in the world. That is who Christ came for. And uh, so we have so many opportunities, and we're putting them all out there, and here's another one. So... Um, we work a lot with help of, help of Ojai in, uh, in Ojai, and they have an opportunity uh, to adopt a family, and this is an, a way to, again, uh, kind of reach out to those who don't have a whole lot during this season and have a lot of needs. And um, if you are interested in, they, I think they have a eight or ten families still yet to be adopted uh, for uh, the Christmas season, and if you're interested in doing that, um, actually, there is some contact information. Jordan, do we have that or do we not? Okay, not a problem. So if you are interested, you can contact Help of Ojai. It's Whitney Nunez down there who's the coordinator. Um, or you can see me or see anybody in leadership here at church, and we can help you kind of orient and get in contact with Help of Ojai to adopt a family if you would like to. Um, and our last announcement this morning, yeah, many of you know that a month ago, there were 19 of us who went down to Ensenada, Mexico. We were, many of us were down there for a week, and we built two homes for, again, very needy families. And we did the work that we did in the name of Jesus Christ. So we like to circle back afterwards. You know, there's so much kind of buildup, and this, this body is so generous monetarily in prayer, in support, in love, in everything that you do to make this trip happen. And we want to just kind of come back and say, kind of here's what happened. So we have a short video, and then we're going to hear from a couple of people who went on the trip.
Amen. God is good to us. So uh, we're just going to have a couple of people share. First, uh, Isaac and then Dennis, and uh, they're going to tell us a little bit about their trip. Good morning, everybody. So this trip was amazing. Um, and I think one of my favorite parts and something new that I got to do this trip was go with the family shopping. Um, and I never thought I'd be able to. It's normally the women that get to shop with them. <laughs> but I got to because all the women left on Wednesday. So <laughs> I, got, I got that. And it was really, really fun. It was amazing to get to know the family and learn about them. Um, and we actually finished shopping so fast. And so we got to go to the park and play and just have a good time. We got ice cream and got a Christmas tree for them. And it was just really amazing. And getting to know the family was great because Yannette, Yannette, Natalia, and Chewy, um, Yannette's going to be a lawyer, and that's what she's going to school for. And there's only one thing holding her back, which was like the payment for the land. And I checked with Mark this morning, and we, I don't know if we did, but the land got paid for. And so learning that was her only hurdle. I, I pray that she goes and strives and does good things with that. Um, and reflecting on it on the whole trip, I think the biggest takeaway is how much we affect these families with how little time we spend there. And with 20 hours of work total, we're able to affect them for generations. And it just hits me, hits me every time. And yeah, so I recommend going. <laughs> Good morning. Uh, first of all, I want to thank you guys for, you know, the love and support for you guys to help us make these trips possible with your, you know, donations or time or um, you know, all that. Uh, this trip for me was really special. Uh, I wasn't wasn't going to go on it. I think my wife told Mark, like, well before that I wouldn't be able to go on it. But it, um, something happened. She signed me up, and I was able to go. So I was really, well, I, well the Lord spoke with her, and she signed me up, and, and I ended up going. But uh, so it was really special. Um, you know, I've been on, I think, you know, all of them since I've been here, and it, I thought I wasn't going to go on this one, so to get to go was really awesome. And uh, my favorite part about the trips is really the just delivering the gift of love from God to, to these families. Um, I mean, a lot of them, I don't know if they're believers or not, but it seems like they're a little bit for, uh, far away from it, but for us to be able to show them that, you know, God loves them just like he loves us is, is really special. Um, so I always like connecting with the families. Um, this trip, it, it, it was special in that the um, families, a lot of time it's hard to connect with the families, but this time I was able to connect with both families, which is really um, special to me. Um, and also uh, a lot more happens in the trips and just building a home, which is uh, one of my favorite parts is, you know, we meet uh, at every night and, you know, fellowship with each other. So, um, yeah. And I think what I take from this trip is 
Um, I want to keep doing them. For me, it's not like a uh, check mark or a box that I check off. I just feel like the Lord has put it on my heart to just keep doing them, and it's it's not something that um, I just check off. And it's not something I get take for granted. It's something that uh, I, I get to do. Thank you, Dennis. Um, yeah, you know, just uh, I love his story, and um, I know Sarah. I don't think Sarah's here today, but the the journey for uh, Sarah and and uh, Dio through this was really amazing because he wasn't going to go, and then he. I, I talked to Sarah about kind of what happened, and he really was right. I mean, the Lord just spoke to her very clearly and said, "This is hard for you, but." I need you to trust me. That's what she told me. And it is hard. They got five kids. They, it is uh, four kids, five, one on the way. All right, January 5. But it's just a ton of work, you know, for Sarah to let Dio go and do this. But you heard Dio goes because the Lord has put it on his heart to go, has said, I want you to be doing this every single time. And Sarah recognized that. And the Lord spoke to her and said, I got you. I got you, and I got your kids so that he can go do what I've asked him to do. That is how cool and how great God is. So um, next year, we've got another trip planned in uh, late October. Uh, Whether there's going to be a second is kind of something we're praying about right now, but um, put it on your calendar. We'd love to have you. If you ever want to talk about it, talk to anybody who's been, or you can come talk to me. So God bless you guys. We're going to worship some more. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, one final uh, reminder and slash announcement, uh, Christmas Eve service this year is going to be 10 a.m. Uh, traditionally, uh, you know how Christmas kind of moves throughout the, uh, the week. Uh, we do a, a candlelight service at night, um, but because Christmas Eve is actually on a Sunday, uh, we're going to be doing it at 10 a.m., and we're still going to do the candles and everything like that. If you've been to you know how special that is at the end, we're going to um, black out the windows here, and it's going to get dark. So we're still going to do all the candles that we normally do. We are also going to, uh, because it's Christmas Eve, we're going to do special Christmas Eve refreshments. Out there. Yes, yes. So there's going to be a plethora, an abundance of Christmas cookies and drinks and all that kind of stuff. So invite people. It's always a great opportunity. Christmas Eve services are also a great opportunity to invite your neighbors and friends that need to hear the good news of the gospel. And uh, Randy's also uh, organizing Christmas cookies, I hear, throughout the month of December. We even have some cookies out there. And so if you want to contribute some sort of Christmas refreshment, see Randy or the hospitality team. And we'd love to uh, just kind of celebrate the whole season together. And, you know, as I was uh, listening to the, all the announcements, uh, I was really blessed. Are you blessed to see, you know, and, and in the Bible, the word love, agape love, is self-sacrificial love. And, and it's really a verb. The the word, you know, in our culture, love is such an emotion, feeling-based word. And really, biblically, agape love is self-sacrificial love for the benefit of the person being loved without expecting anything in return. It's a verb. It's an action word. And that's what I really love. And that's what we're so blessed to see you um, because we really are a church that is love in action. That love is a verb here. We do love each other, but uh, it is beyond emotion and beyond good feelings of liking each other or enjoying each other's company, uh, you really bless so many. And it is a demonstration of Christ's love. And that's what Christmas really is about. Ultimately, is the love of God self-sacrificially sending Jesus. 
And Amanda and her daughters did a wonderful job. Didn't they do a wonderful job with the Advent, right? <laughs> now you know how nerve-wracking it is up here, huh, right? And um, they talked about love and God sending Jesus because of love. And we're going to talk about that in the, in the message today. And, and we're going to really, uh, and I've been really praying, I said, Lord, we talk about love, and if you've been in, around the church uh, for any length of time, sometimes it becomes cliche. Hey, God loves you. Hey, Jesus loves you. And yet, within the church, and even those who are seeking, um, love can be very challenging to receive. And we're going to look at that, because all, we all have a story and, is, and sometimes when it comes to actually not just assenting or agreeing that God loves me, but actually believing it and receiving it is a whole different thing. And sometimes we can be resistant because of our own journey with love, definitions of love, experiences with love. We're going to talk about that. And so as we go into worship, you know, the heart of, of the set today is really to allow us to kind of quiet our hearts and the prayer for, for me, for you, for you at home, was that today we would not just hear about God's love, but at some level take a step forward in receiving it. Because our maturity as believers includes a continual growth and comprehension and apprehension of God's love. We never stop. We can never, no one here can ever say, I understand God's love completely. It's beyond our finite, limited understanding, and yet we can pursue it, and we can grow in God's love. And so as we prepare for worship, uh, that's my prayer, is that today all of us universally would not just understand more about God's love, but actually be open to receiving God's love. So, Father, thank you. Thank you. You may be seated. Love. It's more than a feeling and greater than something we fall into and out of. Love is the ongoing sacrifice of our own desires for the ongoing well-being of others. And at the center of the Christmas story, love is exactly what God is lavishing on us all. His love is why he becomes flesh. It's why he lives with us, and it's why he dies for us. That love is what our world needs the most right now. And our own hearts would do well to drink deeply from God's love, too. It's an invitation for every person, and it's here now, because Jesus is here now. This is love. Welcome to Christmas. Yes, we are going to be looking at what we call the fundamentals of Christmas through the Advent themes this December. Uh, the Advent theme for this week is love, and then there's hope and peace and joy. And my heart in this, and our heart in this, is that, you know, we would be brought back to really the fundamentals, the core of what Christmas is all about and, and, and why we celebrate it and how it should and does impact our life. In fact, this word love really, as believers, is really foundational to everything we should be doing in our life. I love this quote by J.B. Phillips. He says this, The very spring of our actions is the love of Christ. The very spring of our actions is the love of Christ. There is a sense that when you come into relationship with Jesus, that everything you do in, in, in the rest of your life from that point forward should spring forth from that relationship of love. 
of love. Look at these verses. 1 John 4.19. We love because he first loved us. Remember, love is agape love. It's self-sacrificial. It's a verb, okay? So we love because he first loved us. It comes out of his initiation, his love. Look at John 13. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Here it is. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Again, the basis for our self-sacrificial love for one another isn't about my feelings, isn't about what I get out of it at all. The basis for the reason we love one another is that we are to model and follow the example of Jesus' self-sacrificial love. That's why we should be doing everything we do. Right Now, do we reap rewards when we bless others? Right? Dennis and Isaac shared. We get the blessings, but the motivation, what compels us, what drives us, should really be the love of God. That's why we do what we do. Right? And that's why this month, and as we look to Christmas, I think sometimes it's good because we can drift away And not necessarily have bad motives or selfish motives, but we can drift away from, wait, why am I doing this again? Why am I giving of my time and effort and money and resources? Why am I self-sacrificially doing this, going to Mexico and setting up for women's brunches and, you know, going to Bass Pro, using up my gas? You know, why am I doing this, right? Oh, wait, it's because he first loved me. Oh, wait, because of his agape self-sacrificial love for me i'm just doing what he did for me see how simple that gets when 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 i get out of the way and when i stop trying to figure out what i get from this and it's just simply a response and 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 a, and a desire to replicate his agape love my life gets kind of simple then my life gets really kind of simple when i'm just following jesus example and loving you as he loved me right it just, it just gets a lot of clarity, a lot of clarity. Ephesians 5, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us. Again, his example, and gave himself for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We're to walk in love. That word walk in the Bible means your whole lifestyle. We are to live in love Again, rooted and grounded, what? Emanating from his love for us, his self-sacrificial love for us. And again, sometimes we can drift and sometimes we can kind of lose course and we're starting to do things kind of on this reward system maybe. What do I get? Or we do things and, you know, we come around here and we help set up or we're vacuuming and if we're not careful, we start to grumble. Mm. How come no one else is vacuuming around here? How come no one else is helping around here? They just came and left, right? And if we're not careful and we lose that self-sacrificial focus and heart, which is really a work of the Holy Spirit, we can start to keep score. Anybody ever start to keep score at home after a Christmas party? They are us all ungrateful. They have no, no no clue how much effort went in. And then they all just left. And nobody even offered to do the dishes. Right? If we're not, if we're not careful, we can start sliding into this. And, and it, it's okay to come back and say, okay, Lord, wait, why am I doing this again? Is this truly self-sacrificial? With expecting nothing in return? 
as Jesus did for me. Okay? And the Apostle Paul is a great example. Look what he says in 2 Corinthians 5.14. For Christ's love, okay, the love of Christ, compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Right? That is so countercultural because our culture tells us to live for yourself. We live in a culture that is designed Turn it on the internet. Turn on the TV. Everything is designed for you to live for you. Right? We are a very self-serving, self-centered, self-absorbed culture. And ultimately, it's designed to get more money out of your pocketbook. Right? A lot of big part of this is feed yourself, please yourself. Right? And by the way, wink, wink, that's just going to cost you $59.99. Right? But the Apostle Paul says it's Christ's love that compels him. Look, it says in the ESV, it says, For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Again, it goes all the way back to the cross. Self-sacrificial love. We enter a new covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. And moving forward, we just live self-sacrificially. Now, is that easy? Oh, no. Oh, no. You know, wake up every morning. That's why, it's, you know, for me, it's great to have a quiet time every morning. Because every morning I need to say, Lord, this is your day. Lord, I surrender this day to you. And the days that I don't do that and the days I get busy usually is because I wake up and I jump right into my to-dos. And it's a pretty self-serving day when I, when I, you know, flip that and I don't seek ye first the kingdom, but I seek my kingdom first and then try to fit God in somewhere along the way. Right? Usually those days don't go so well for me. Right? But we were raised to get up and to What? Pursue, pursue my dreams, what I want, my goals. Nothing wrong with dreams, nothing wrong with goals, unless they become idols. Unless they supersede God in your life. Right? And so, as we move forward, the question would be, what, what controls us? What compels us? When you Think about that. Just a moment. Just, just do a little survey. Because the Apostle Paul says it's the love of Christ that compels him. It's the love of Christ that controls him. Right? And, and there's a great word picture here. That word compels or controls. It means to be hemmed in on both sides and was used of a traveler in a narrow passage with a wall, a wall of rock on either side, unable to turn so you can only go forward. Right? So you're compelled to go forward. The Apostle Paul is saying, the love of Christ compels me to love. Right? That, that, that's what drives me. And I was, I was reminded, years and years ago, we went on a, like a week-long backpacking trip in Death Valley. And part of this trip was going through those ravines where it's straight up and it's only about 10 foot wide. And there's no way you can go but forward or backward. And we were going forward. Right, And I saw that word picture. I'm like, I get that. I remember we walked through Death Valley. And we could only go forward. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, the love of Christ drives my life. is foundational. That's what gets me up. That's what lights my fire. Is to self-sacrificially love as I have been loved. As I have been loved, right? 
F.B. Meyer says this, the love of Christ does not constrain all Christian people because they do not understand the profound significance of the cross. But when the soul once appreciates that and passes through the gate of death into the life of God, then it begins to feel the constraining love of Christ. And I like this because he's speaking to the church and he's saying, hey, you know what? Church, not everyone in the church is at the same place in being constrained and compelled by the love of God. Not everyone in the church is at the same place of having received and walking in love. And that's okay. It's all part of sanctification. Okay? Your, your knowledge, your experience, your, your grasp of the, word of, of the love of God is part of your sanctification process. In fact, in, fact, in Ephesians 3, the Apostle Paul desires this for the, for the believers in Ephesus. He says this, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, here it is, being rooted and grounded in what? May have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is an incredible desire and prayer. And this is my desire for us as a church that we would know, that we would be rooted and grounded in the incredible, infinite vastness of God's love. Now, we're never going to comprehend it with this little peanut, finite brain. But what he's saying is, you know what? I want you, as part of your growth and maturity, I want you to be seeking to know God's love more and more and more and more because you're never going to exhaust it, right? And that word comprehend, it's very interesting. I love this word comprehend. Warren Wiersbe hits it. He says, the English words comprehend and apprehend both stem from the Latin word prehendere, which means to grasp. We say that a monkey has a prehensile tail. That is, its tail is able to grasp a tree limb and hold on. Our word comprehend carries the idea of mentally grasping something, while apprehend suggests laying hold of it for yourself. In other words, it is possible to understand something, but not really make it your own. Paul's concern is that we lay hold of the vast expanse of the love of God. I love that, right? Because what he's saying is, you know what? Don't just assent. Don't just say, I got it. God loves me. Make it your own. Grab onto it. Don't just comprehend it and say, good, gotcha. Apprehend it. Apprehend it. See, I'm going to guess that a large percentage of you, and even you watching at home, you comprehend, you, you agree, you understand God loves you, the cross, Jesus. But have you apprehended it? Are you grasping it? Does it compel or constrain you in a beautiful way to live self-sacrificially? Right? That's, that's what I want to focus on because some of us are challenged with apprehending the love of God. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, if you've been around church and you've heard someone share the gospel, you know, and the four spiritual laws... We tend to present it in a transactional way. Hey, God loves you. He sent Jesus to pay for your sins. Jesus Christ died, rose from the dead. If you believe in Jesus, you are saved, right? And so we want people to respond in faith, say a prayer of faith, and then 
The product is what? Salvation, right? And in there is God's love. We can do that, and you can even get saved and understand God's love and what Jesus did for you, but in a transactional sense. It's like a business transaction. Check, 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 check. Okay, Jesus, God, death, cross, sin, forgiveness. Got it, got it, got it. I'm a sinner. Got it, got it, got it. Say a prayer. Got it, got it, got it. I'm saved. And you are, right? You are without apprehending the love of God. Without apprehending the love of God. And we saw in all those verses, the love of God is the root of everything we're supposed to be doing. So if we get saved and we don't take time to comprehend and apprehend the love of God, you know what can happen in your faith? It just becomes duty. And with the best of intentions, best of intentions maybe you're motivated to serve, and all that, but you're kind of like, what do I get out of this? You've been doing a lot of good things for the church in Mexico and all that, but you're like, what am I doing? What do I get for going to Mexico? Right? Because we can do a lot of good things, even in the church, without fully apprehending and comprehending the love of God and it being the driver. It being the driver. It being what compels us, what constrains us, right? And so what are some reasons? Why might we resist? Or what are some obstacles, hindrances to us apprehending, receiving the love of God? Well, I thought of this. Number one, some of us, even, even those who are saved, but those of us, those who maybe aren't saved and are seeking, one of our challenges to receiving and apprehending the love of God is that we might have a wrong or distorted view of God. If I say God, you think angry. If I say God, you think judge. If I say God, you think distant. If I say God, a lot of people, the last thing they'll ever say is love. It's everything but love. And so sometimes one of the challenges is, is our view of the character and the nature of God. Right? First John 4 says this. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Because God is love. God is love. And I've shared this story with you, uh, if you've been with us any time, length of time. Uh, part of our relationship with God and understanding his love and actually being able to receive his love, a large part of that can be impacted by our relationship with our earthly dad. Now, some of us have had wonderful relationships with your earthly dad, and you're maybe affectionate, verbal, physical, and so you understand the love of a father. I get that. That's great. Me, not so much. My dad... You know, I, I love him, and, and, and he was a great provider, and I know he provided for me. But my dad, culturally, and probably in his personality, was not verbal or affectionate, okay? And, and I love my dad dearly, and I know he loved me. Um, but growing up, I never heard, I love you. Now, I know he loved me because he got up at 4.30 every day and went to work. And when I wanted the latest Atari system, somehow it showed up. You know, I know my dad was a great provider, and he would listen, and they would, mom and dad would make it happen. But I never heard, ever, I love you, verbally. My dad wasn't a hugger, affectionate. So I didn't get that hug from dad, and, you know, and, 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 and I didn't get that, that, hey, how's your day? How's it going? You know, da, 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 all that kind of stuff that would uh, teach me about a loving father that's engaged in my life. 
what I, what I kind of understood from my, my definition of a loving father was distant, hardworking, not real affectionate, didn't really talk, right? Usually only when I did something really bad that was beyond the realm of mom's discipline, right? When I heard, wait till your dad, I'm like, oh, you really messed up now, right? Because generally 90% of it was mom, right? Last 10%, dad, don't want to go there, right? And so part of our challenge with receiving, apprehending the love of father, because that's Abba, father, you might have to camp and spend some time examining your own relationship with your father. Not to stay stuck there, but to understand some resistance, to understand why. And that's when I, when I became a believer. We were at a big church in uh, San Diego. And some guys, we got involved in a Sunday school class, a lot of married couples. And one of the guys said, hey, you want to come over to, to my house for coffee and breakfast? Literally. And he was a little older than me. I'm like, why? He goes, I just want to get to know you. Why? I don't know, just, you know, you're new and just, you know, I want to get. It was a foreign concept that an older guy would want to get to just know me for me. I thought there was an agenda. I thought there was, you know. And so I actually went. And I got to know him. His name was Bob. And, and first time in my life that I had to take a risk to engage in this relationship of love where nothing was expected. It was just cuz, which was weird for me. Right? Like this, hey, man, let's just, let's just come over. I just want to get to know you and see how you're doing with the Lord, help you in your walk. And I'm like, I'm fine, you know. But I remember God used that baby steps with my, that, my brother. And there was one time where I just broke and, and something happened and, and my relationship with had grown to, to where I just broke. And, and it was a, one of those moments where you just kind of allow yourself to let loose. And I, and I just, you know, I literally broke down. And I was sobbing, you know, with Bob and And I recognized that I had never in my life, I think I was like in my mid-20s, I had never allowed myself to show any weakness, let alone cry in front of another dude. It's just not what we did in my family. It's just not what I do growing up, you know? Guys who do that are punks. That's how I was raised. You do that, you're a punk. Just suck it up. Get on with life. Quit being, you know, a punk. And God used this guy and some older men in my life over time to teach me about his love from an older male perspective because when it came to the love of the Father, I recognized early in my faith, I was just struggling with that. I just, didn't, I just had a hard time understanding a God that is love, a God that is compassionate, a God that is gracious, a God that loves me unconditionally. Okay, so one of the reasons we might be struggling with apprehending the love of God is our, our, our view of God which can be tied to our relationship with our, heavenly, uh, our earthly father. The other reason that we might struggle with apprehending and, and really grasping and being constrained and compelled by the, word, uh, by the love of God is our own definition and experience with love, right? There's a wonderful passage. You know, I've done many weddings and I've been to many weddings. There is a passage from 1 Corinthians that is like the go-to love passage in 1 Corinthians 13, right? Here we go. Love is patient, and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. 
It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Anyone ever hear that? This passage at a wedding, a song, right? It's great. It's great. Except for the fact, what if love is painful? What if, is, what if love is abusive and manipulative in your life? What if love means betrayal? Right? What if love is, is, is legalism? What if love is lust? What if love is selfishness? You see, our, our attachment, our understanding based on our experiences with the word love have a profound, profound impact on our willingness to receive God's love. Because when I say God loves you, to some you're like, that's awesome. I know you had a wonderful relationship with your dad. Yeah, I get that. Other people, I say, God loves you. You're like, get away from me, man. Because in my life, people who told me they loved me just wanted something from me. Used me. Betrayed me. Lied to my face. All in what? The name of love. Right? And so I get that. I get that. That our own experiences, but also the definition and, and the world's definition of love, because love is an emotion. You fall in love. You fall out of love, right? All these love songs, right? Oh, right? Just love, love, love. It's all emotion-based, and much of love, the world's definition of love, again, is me-centered, Right? Like if, I, if I say, you know what, I love you. I love being with you. I love how you make me smile. I love how you make me... Who's it about? Did you catch that? I'm saying I love you because you meet my needs. It's, it's a self-centered love. It's a counterfeit. It's a counterfeit. And so... If we're going to receive and apprehend God's love as we move into Christmas, what's your definition of love? What's your experiences with love? It's okay to go there. It's okay to share that because it's part of who you are. Now, don't get stuck there. Go to the Word of God. Put yourself around brothers and sisters in Christ who will pray with you, who will love you self-sacrificially and teach you experientially about biblical love. Okay? Because, again, love is something we're growing into. We're learning more and more about. Okay? It's a process. It's a pr- love. Learning about love is a process. Even at the human level, we get this. Right? You're single at one stage in your life. Or maybe you are not. You kind of understand love. But when you get a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and you start saying, I love you, you know, they say in the love word, and you go to that next level, you change your status on whatever social media, right? Because we're in love, right? And you get married. How many of you understand when you got boyfriend or girlfriend or married, you understood love greater? Not perfectly, but there was a greater depth to your understanding of love, right? You just understand love because you're experiencing it. Parents, how many of you, when you had a kid, experienced love so much more different, right? Ziva. Does not pay rent. Does not contribute to the household. Doesn't even do chores. In fact, she generally lets you know when she's hungry, tired, or needs to be changed. Right? And yet, 
You love her, huh? Right? Parents, right? You sit back and you all those kids in Kingdom Kids, they ain't paying rent. They ain't doing nothing to help your house right now. They're going to come out there, they're going to get some donuts and they're going to say, when are we leaving? I'm tired. And yet you love them, don't you? Even through our kids, God teaches us more about us and our love, his love for us. Because honestly, we're just as whiny and complainy and grumbly and hangry at times, right? And it might even be a kid. Some of us love our pets, right? Pets, man, there's this love. Man, you're like, man, I love this pet. And, oh, do, do, you know, and I got my, I have a 14-year-old dog at home, and, you know, he's getting kind of in that season, and I'm like, dude, you know, and you start looking at the pictures, and I'm like, it's his family, right? And so God uses these things in our life to expand our knowledge of love. Well, in the spiritual realm, in the church, he does that. He brings circumstances and people in your life to teach you about his love more and more which means speaking the truth in love, which means counsel, which means being there for you self-sacrificially. We are all growing in the apprehension of God's love in our life. Okay, so it's a process. I want to encourage you. It's a process. And then the third reason we might be struggling with this, okay, is that you view yourself as unworthy, undeserving of anybody's love. For you, love is conditional performance-based, something you chase after. Love is always for somebody else. Deep down, we struggle with receiving God's love because many of us feel unlovable. And again, there's a lot of reasons for that. I grew up in a performance-based family, and I knew my parents loved me, but you know, when I'm the third out of four kids and my older brother and sister are valedictorians and off to the Naval Academy and Air Force Academy, and I'm driven to feel loved by getting straight A's, to me, by the time I got to a high school, a B was an F. That's how much pressure, how much performance-based I was, I was under. And that affected my view of love because love was very conditional. Love was strictly performance-based. I, 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 even today, I still struggle, and, and, and the brothers on the elder board help me to even understand that, because even in ministry, I can become performance-based, and I can start to base my esteem and how I feel about myself based on the well, and based on how many people come, and what we're doing, and that's just the old me in the Christianized version, right? That's not me operating out of God's love, that's me operating out of Christian performance, right? And so the brothers really help me with that because they'll challenge me. Say, why do you want to do that? What's the motive? Is that just another thing for you? And I have to check myself. Right? So, so it can be your view of God. It can be your view of love, your definition of love, your experiences with love. And honestly, it can just be you don't feel that even God could love you. You're undeserving. Right? And to that, I want to share this with you. It says Romans 5.8 says this, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners, right? This verse, remember I talked about having a specific verse for a specific situation in your life? This verse blew up for me 
all the performance, the performance bondage. Because it says that God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for me while I was still a sinner. I was at my worst. I wanted nothing to do with God. If you based it on performance spiritually, it was an F. And yet God sent his son to die and be raised from the dead when I was spiritually grading an F. Now, I have to work through, you know, that whole report card. F, wow. But to, to recognize that God loves me, he loves you, while well, you're still a sinner. Isn't that crazy? Because, again, it's all about image and perception in our culture and all about what you can do and da-da-da, and there's no free lunch. And what do you mean it's just a gift? I got to do something. You can't do a thing. You can't do a thing. You will apprehend God's love for you more when you surrender to to, to stop trying. Amen? Just stop trying and say, God, you got me. I am a sinner in need of a Savior. There's nothing I can do to even merit one ounce of your grace, because grace is unmerited favor. God, you got me. I don't understand this crazy thing called your love, but okay. If you can just say, okay, some of you are going to be set free. Because the devil is still putting this in your head that you're not worthy. You're a believer, you love God, and you're doing your best, but the devil still gets in your head and says, you're not worthy, you're not good enough, you blew it again. You think God still loves you? That's the devil, that's the accuser, right? It's not true. It's not true. God demonstrates, God shows his great love for you and me, sending Christ to die while we were still a sinner. He got nothing to prove. Amen? There's nothing. And that's tough. That's tough in our culture to admit you got to wave a white flag. Because we want something in us to merit some kind of thing from God. We want to feel like we're contributing a little bit. You got nothing. You got nothing. There's nothing you can do. That's his love. So just give it up. Just stop trying to prove something. His love for you is what was proven. That's what you got to receive. That's where the freedom comes. Seriously, that's where the freedom comes, okay? And so how can we move forward? Some practical helps. You got to understand God's love is supernatural, okay? Romans 5, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God's love is a fruit of the Spirit, right? Fruit of the Spirit's love. This agape love, this God's love, I understood this. As I was coming into this message, I'm like, Lord, I can teach what the Word of God says, but you, through the Holy Spirit, have to open their hearts. My prayer for you this morning is that God would be pouring his love into your heart, into your mind. That some of you would go, oh my gosh, I cannot fathom being loved just for me. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Isn't that crazy? That is nuts. Right? I'm going to be celebrating 33 years of marriage and 29th of this year, of this month. And there are still times, literally, I'll go, why'd you marry me? (laughs) 
And it's generally after I have inserted said foot into said mouth and am trying my best to reconcile <laughs> after 33 years. And my wife repeatedly will say, because I love you, I just love you. And after 33 years, I still don't understand that. Because I'm used to, in sports and academics, if you mess up, you're done. If you mess up, you're done. You're not lovable, or as lovable, or you must earn it back. And so God has taught me all these years through my wife about his unconditional love. And I say, why, are you, why, are you, why do you love me? Because I do. Why? Because I do. Why? Because God put you on my heart to love? It's just unexplainable. And after a while, I could start to see she's getting mad because I keep asking. <laughs> so after 33 years, I know when to stop. Because I'm trying to search for something. All my questions are trying to search for something I can grasp onto, but I can't even grasp. You see what I'm saying? And so I got to stop and just accept the fact that my wife loves me. Some of us have to stop searching and grasping and asking God, why, 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 why? Just because. Because he loves you. What's the proof? Right there. Before you even did anything that you think could merit anything, that had already happened. Right? So it's supernatural. 1 John 4.16 says this. We have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. Practical thing you can do? Believe. Believe. Stop doubting. Stop doing this. Believe that God loves you. Now, when I say that, you're going to get, oh, but I did that before. And I trusted someone before who said they loved me, and I believed them. See, that's the enemy getting in your head again. On the authority of God's word, and again, I don't have the Bible that I want. On the authority of God's word, God loves you. On the authority of God's scripture, he cannot lie, he does not change. Those verses, I'm just sharing verses with you that God has used in my life, especially early as in Christendom as I was trying to figure out God's love for me. God loves me. Those verses. God cannot lie. God does not change. Okay. I believe you then. I'm in. I'm going to rest in God's love because he cannot lie to me and he does not change. And he will never leave me nor forsake me. A lot of these issues of abandonment, betrayal, lying to my face, all of those are taken care of in the word of God and the character of God. Okay? And so we have to really take this time. This is one of those messages, I know it's kind of like we want to check out and we want to kind of, oh yeah, I get God's love. Do you? Do you really get God's love? Do I really get God's love? We're all in process. We're all in process. And I love this, and I kind of start to wrap up with this. You know, because Christmas is really like a love story. It's a love story. And it's not just for the kids in kingdom. It's for us. It's a love story. Right? And, and it's interesting because, you know, many of you know I have four daughters and one wife, right? And so years ago, I was introduced 
to this thing called Hallmark movies. Yes. Yes. I can be set free from that. I don't know, bro, because I watched two on my own without my wife already. This is like, I am in deep. I am in deep. <laughs> Go to Bass Pro. <laughs> I need to be cleansed at Bass Pro. <laughs> you know, put me in the stream with the, the trout. Come back. Come back. <laughs> so in the interest of full transparency, I have watched Hallmark on my own. And so I'm watching that. And some of you have outed yourself already. Some of you know Hallmark and have your favorite characters. Thank you, Linda. And I'm sure Dale has a favorite character. Yes, you're outing Dale. Dale, Hallmark, together. Yeah, so the next men's ministry will be a Hallmark movie night, just for the men. <laughs> Tri-tip try and Hallmark. got to bring it up a little bit to And so right Hallmark you know the storyline you know the storyline da 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 come back old love job whatever you know they're going to da 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 then there's going to be a conflict and in the last 10 minutes everything's going to be made and you're like oh i know it's so good right we know it you already know it like, literally, we were watching one. My wife and I were watching one a couple of nights ago. And like this plot twist. And I literally yell out, I knew it! <laughs> My wife's like, how did you know that? There was a clue. I saw the clue. So I'm doing this thing on the love of God. And I, and I literally go on the, re- uh, the internet. I'm like, why are Hallmark movies so popular? You ever think about that? Because there's like millions. Like, this is a phenomenon, Right? But we all know the storylines. They're all so similar, right? Same characters, right? All this kind of stuff. And yet, we tune in to Hallmark, right? What is going on? There's something going on, right? And I found this really cool article. And it's on the website, The Gospel Coalition. And this guy's writing this as someone who is kind of like cynical and would watch him kind of starting out to ridicule and, you know, kind of make fun of them, poke fun at the actors and all this kind of stuff. But then he, he kind of shares this. And I just want to share this with you because it ties into what we're talking about. He says this. Hallmark films are not beautiful because they are expertly crafted, nor are they beautiful because they invariably are, are invariably full of beautiful people. They are beautiful because they are formulaic in a good way and because they are simple and earnest in a chaotic, cynical world. Hallmark movies are beautiful because they are formulaic in a good way and because, again, they are simple and earnest in a chaotic, cynical world. Cynicism is exhausting. For many years, cynicism led me to immediately dismiss formulaic stories like Hallmark movies, Julia Julia Roberts rom-coms, Marvel blockbusters. But while there are other reasons to critique these films, formulaic storytelling shouldn't necessarily be one of them. Simple and predictable isn't always a bad thing. Kind of like Christmas, right? Simple, predictable in a chaotic world. Hallmark movies root and ground us 
in some core things. He goes to this. He says, drawn to the simple. There is an existential beauty and allure in a simple romance. We are drawn to, quote, man and woman fall in love stories because, well, that is how we are wired as humans. The complementary beauty of two polarities coming together, whether town and country, water and rock, night and day, female and male, is woven into the fabric of creation. Hallmark movies that narrate these simple old-school romances fill a cultural void that expands each year in this era of sexual and gender confusion. It's a void that is darker and deeper than ever in these Me Too days of Harvey Weinstein and other sexual abuse scandals. It's the void of good men and good women treating each other decently, respecting each other's dignity, loving each other well. What does homework movies do for all the cheesiness and all the yada yada? You sit there and you're like, something in you is like, I think that's the way it's supposed to be. Right? There's something in us that is yearning and longing for what he calls like the good old days, the old school. You sit there and you're like, man, remember when life was so simple? Anyone? Who remembers pre-internet? Pre-social media? Kind of this simple. So we're watching Hallmark and I'm reading this article. I'm like, you know what? That's Christmas. Because Christmas brings us back to God's original plan of redemption. That Christmas, the Christmas story brings us back to God's love. It roots us and grounds us in what really matters. A relationship with God rooted in love. That's the Christmas story. That's what this is about. And I want to encourage you guys. Take the time this month to dwell on the love of God. That he really does love you. Right? Incredible verse, right? We've seen it here before. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Right? Let's personalize that. Let's personalize that. We're going to fast forward, uh, Chris. Look at John 3, 16. And then we're going to fill in this blank. For God so loved, put your name in there, that he gave his only son. That's a profound difference, isn't it? Because when we say for God so loved the world, oh, that's generic. That's just big. That's just little old me. God just loves the world. Of course he does. But when you say for God so loved, Okay, I'm going to give you permission to say your name. Because for some of you, this could be life-changing. For God so loved. Right? Because some of us, that's like uncomfortable to say because you don't feel deserving. You don't feel worthy. You don't feel, ugh. God so loved you. Okay, instead of your name, just say me. Okay, ready? For God so loved. Me. Yes, Right? You got to have that me moment. That's an okay me moment. For God so loved me that he sent Jesus. Man, that's like Hallmark on steroids, right? That's exponentially more, more significant, but it touches our greatest need. That's why why it's like, whoa, because that's how we're wired to love and be loved, starting with the God of the universe. For God so loved me that he gave his only son. Would you ponder that this Christmas? Would you ponder that incredible love truth?
<sighs> right? I'm going to close with this illustration because I think it's helpful for those of us who have heard the story over and over. And sometimes we get kind of numb to this kind of love. It says this, sometimes we are so familiar with spectacular, it doesn't move us as it should. We have to look at something lesser, be amazed, and then look back to really feel the wonder of the original. Chuck Colson told the story of a group of American prisoners of war during the Second World War who were made to do hard labor in a prison camp. Each had a shovel and would dig all day, then come in and give an account of his tool in the evening. One evening, 20 prisoners were lined up by the guard, and the shovels were counted. The guard counted 19 shovels and turned enraged on the 20 prisoners, demanding to know which one did not bring his shovel back. No one responded. The guard took out his gun and said that he would shoot five men if the guilty prisoner did not step forward. After a moment of tense silence, a 19-year-old soldier, the age of my Ben, stepped forward with his head bowed down. The guard grabbed him, took him to the side, and shot him in the head, and turned to warn the others that they better be more careful than he was. When he left, the men counted the shovels, and there were 20. The guard had miscounted, and the boy had given his life for his friends. See, we read that, and then you put that to the cross. That's sacrificial love for you. That's what God did, and that's what Jesus did. He laid down his life for you and for me out of love because he wants the best for us, an eternal relationship with him, abundant life today. He self-sacrificially laid down his life that we would be reconciled to Father. That's love. That's Christmas. That's Christmas. Father, thank you for loving us like you do. Wow. And Father, my prayer this week was that we would receive your love, that we would... Maybe be open to identifying obstacles, areas of resistance, hesitation, and, and that you would resolve them through your word, through the power of your Holy Spirit, whether it's your character, whether it's our past experiences, whether it's our view of ourself being unlovable. I pray that all of that would be dealt with at the cross and that truly in this season of Christmas, we would just apprehend and grasp how much you do love us. We don't even have to wonder because the cross is proof. It's already been demonstrated, already been proven because you sent Jesus and Jesus died and rose from the dead. And so, Father, I pray that we would all, myself included, grow in our apprehension of your love, that you would literally knock our socks off with how much you love us. And we would have joy and freedom, and then we would go out and love others with that same love. And so, Father, I pray also for those here this morning or those listening at home who have never received your love and established a relationship with you, Father, through faith in Jesus. I pray that maybe this morning you get it, that Christmas is about love and that God loves you. And that God so loved you that he sent Jesus. 
And that's what Christmas is for you. And so this morning, I pray that you would receive God's gift of salvation. And if you would like to do that, you can pray this between you and God. Say, dear God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me while I was yet a sinner. That you sent Jesus Christ to be my Savior. And so, Lord, in the best way I know how I'm receiving your gift of salvation this morning, I'm receiving your love. I'm putting my faith in Jesus as my Savior and Lord. Thank you, God, for loving me so much that you sent Jesus to die for me. We're going to prepare for communion. And uh, Jordan, would you come on up?